Hello and welcome to the Trips and Global on Wheels podcast hour. I'm your host, Ming Canaday. Trips and Global on Wheels is focused on sharing resources and insights into disability advocacy, fitness and health, and accessible travel. Our mission is to build a community of healthy, worldly, and informed advocates. Each week on our podcast, we interview someone with a disability or someone whose work advances the disability rights movement, both locally and internationally. Step ALO, welcome to the Trapes and Global on Wheels podcast hour. Hi, thank you. <laughs> the bio that I'm going to read is actually from Bustle. I thought they did a really good job of capturing <laughs> your life. So... In 2010, one day before Steph was supposed to start cosmetology school, Steph Aiello was involved in a car crash that left her paralyzed from the waist down with limited ability to move her hands, and one of her closest friends died as well. She would spend the next several months in rehab, gaining sensation in half of her back, but battling major anxiety and depression. A few months later, she found herself in another accident when a drunk driver crashed into the car her family was in, just just one block from the hospital. Aiello was also diagnosed with cancer shortly after, and yet in the face of such adversity, Aiello's courage and resilience not only helped her beat cancer, but become stronger. It also motivated her to pursue her love of makeup. Steph also learned that she can dance. She has become the co-captain of the Roulette's wheelchair dance team based out of Southern California. Teen Vogue also writes that Steph is a professional makeup artist with over 100,000 followers on Instagram an ambassador for Wings for uh, Life World Run, which I've participated in, uh, a charity dedicated to finding a cure for spinal injuries. That's what Wings for Life uh, World Run is. And is single-handedly proving that disabilities don't have to keep you from following your dreams. In fact, they can be the driving force behind them as Steph will show us. So welcome again, Steph. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> of course, of course. So um, as we were reading earlier, you know, you were supposed to start cosmetology, uh, cosmetology school a day before your accident. Um, so what do you enjoy about putting on makeup and just like that whole world? Well, I've always loved um, seeing transformations. So actually, before I got heavily into makeup, I was a dog groomer. So I would groom dogs and see the transformation of matted dogs, big dogs, little dogs, and just doing different things like that. So I'm a, I'm fascinated with transformations. And so when it came to makeup and my girlfriends, my twin and everyone would start asking me to do their makeup, it became like a, a trigger in my mind, like, okay, well, this is cool. I could make people feel just as good as dogs feel. And um, yeah, and I started doing everyone's makeup and fell in love with it and knew that it was something that i um, of how I wanted to express myself. How do you, how and what do you think able-bodied people should change about how uh, they look at people with disabilities? 
um, so think about this in terms of being a makeup artist and how you're helping to shape the image of the disability community. Yeah, um, something that always, I think, like really throws off a lot of um, us wheelchair users is when people approach you and they're, they're like, hey, you're really pretty for a girl in a wheelchair or you're really pretty for something in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of baffling to me that there is this stigma that you have to look a certain way. You have to be in sweats. You have to have your hair in a ponytail or not take care of yourself and be presentable for being someone who's in a wheelchair. And um, yeah, so I'm happy that I'm not the only one now, like, or I don't feel so alone in the makeup community. There, there are other girls who have limited hand function and also paraplegics who are joining in on this and um, showing that you can be beautiful no matter what your disability is. And I hope that able bodies see that as well and this becomes a normal. Um, it's kind of shocking to me when people are like, oh my gosh, like you can do all that with your hand function. And, you know, of course it's new to uh, the able-bodied community now, but I hope that one day it's not a shocker. I think you're right. A lot of it is just, <laughs> I'm, I'm just coining it right now. Actually novelty weariness. It's, it's like what we're doing is not new, not different, but because we have a disability, so people have that very patronizing reaction to it and so it seems like it's you know you know what patronizing is they're complimenting you but it's really yeah. something that you do all the time and it's like mm -hmm. if anybody else was doing it they wouldn't make such a big deal and so it's that yeah. very uncomfortable feeling that happens all the time yeah it's like when people say that we are inspiring for getting up and being out at a bar on a friday night and it's like well uh, you do it why can't i or like when i get dressed and it's inspiring that I put all these things on by myself. And it's like, well, if I was like you, would it be just as inspiring? I'm just living my life. And I just want to be seen as that as well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So you are such a role model for millions now. And speaking of, you know, there was that story in, in Virginia with that little girl seeing Man. your ad, your Ulta ad. And, <laughs> and, uh, and that's actually how I found out about you is my friend in Virginia, another friend, not that little girl's mom, um, posted about you and your beautiful photo, which I love. And, uh, and I was like, oh, I have to have this girl on my, on my show. And, and I read about you and just, and thought, thought that I would really enjoy getting to know you. And so that's how I found out about you as well. So you're a role model for, for thousands and probably millions by now. Um, you know, that little girl in Virginia was one of them where, you know, she, she's a four-year-old girl, right, in a wheelchair, and she was just wheeling with her mom and suddenly stopped when she saw a photo of you in a wheelchair looking stunning and gorgeous, and, um, and then Alta made it possible for you, you two to meet, so that was really touching. So what do you enjoy about being a role model for people with disabilities, and uh, what do you think are the responsibilities of influencers who have such a big following like you um obviously you're more than just an influencer for people with disabilities and a role model um you're a role model for everybody but specifically for our purposes focus on the disability community thank you um i feel as if 
the thing that's like makes me feel most proud is that now when a newly injured person or someone who's just hitting their teens who've been disabled uh, or um, been in a wheelchair their entire lives, if they go online and they search something on YouTube, um, there's so many tutorials now. Um, and so I really feel like that's something that I feel really happy to be a part of. I know I'm not the only one who, do, who does these tutorials, but now there's car transfers, dressing, there's all these really cool videos coming out that I didn't have when I first got injured. I mean, I remember approaching people um, and asking them like, how do you do this? How do you do that? And to be honest, when I first got injured, I felt like this world was extremely competitive. Uh, there was other quadriplegics who were extremely um, independent and I wanted to be so much like them and no one would give me like the quote unquote secret to how to have, how to be independent and how to, you know, be you and live your life again. And so I decided that I didn't want um, anyone else who follows up getting injured after me to have the same experience that I did. And so I, I'm really happy and I feel honored and proud that uh, me along with um, some others who are, are part of like this movement are deciding to do tutorials on not only beauty, but like, how do you live your life and how do you be independent? Um, and so, um, and uh, I guess like as quote unquote being like a role model, um, um, I feel like that's the best part is that no one else has to struggle as badly as I did um, because we are kind of giving them those secrets or quote unquote secrets and being like, hey, this is how you can do it. I really, so I've seen a, a few of your YouTube videos by now and uh, I love, you're just so raw and so vulnerable. <laughs> Sometimes I'm just like, wow, I wish I could put myself out there like that. I mean, it's, you're, you're, I'm like, she's just asking for judgment, but you're just like, so brave. <laughs> and um, the stories that you share create a movement, right? Each person, people like you who are brave and courageous, who are willing to share their stories, willing to be so vulnerable and so raw and so just put themselves in that place of criticism or praise or um, because you're right, I do, I feel the competitiveness as well, no matter if it's like the makeup industry or it's, you know, being independent, oh, I'm more independent because I have this kind of disability or it's mm -hmm. doing disability advocacy work. I think we all feel it to some extent and, um, and to see the larger picture instead of the smaller um, competitions and rivalries. Um, and I, I think you, I think you've really started a great healthy movement in really helping to educate and inform rather than um, purely for um, you know to to gain following for to be famous right you you have a mission you have a purpose yeah. and you like it really shows and by by how you how vulnerable you put yourself in situations that I'm like, why? <laughs> yeah, I honestly, when I first started doing these tutorials and videos and doing blogging and stuff, I had no idea I would be where I am at today. And I think sharing that, pointing that out, and then sharing the impact of not being so competitive and just we each have our unique stories and our perspectives and as long as we're real we're honest mm -hmm. with each other and we share you know the good and the bad of it all we'll each will have an audience you know
it's not mm -hmm. this base scarce society out there. Exactly, exactly. Like everyone is different. And I, that's what is so cool about this injury too. It's like, I can be another C5 and we're complete opposites. And but that what's what's so good is that we all are relatable in our own ways. And the only thing holding them back from being where I'm at is being that vulnerable person so that they can have those internet friends and those people who they can relate to um, because there is an audience for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in fact, we have overpopulation right now. So, um, and moving on to dance. So how does someone in the wheelchair join a roulette dance team? So tell <laughs> us how you got started and what oh, it's like and how you got involved um, in this very cool group, I've watched quite a few uh, videos. I got, mm -hmm. I think it actually, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was amazing. And for other little girls or boys that have disabilities and want to join, yeah, tell us. Yeah, so we actually host um, yearly. It's called the Roulette's Experience. And um, so that's how other people can come and join and dance with us and learn. And it's way more than just dancing at this experience. I host a makeup class. Marie and Sam host um, workout um, and fitness and wellness. And um, we're just expanding in the way of like trying to make it more um, of a girls weekend or, you know, like of friends. And so because that's what we are. We're friends. The roulettes, we're, we're a bunch of, we're just a group of girls who are just like everyone else who fight, who bicker, who uh, love and support each other unconditionally. We're just like that group of girls um, that you would have in high school. So um, that's, that's the roulettes. We're awesome um, in each other's lives. Like um, I feel so proud and honored to be a part of a group like this um, because we all are so different too. I, I was the first quadriplegic on the dance team. And so that was what kind of held me back from joining a lot sooner was the fact that I didn't want to be the only quadriplegic. I didn't know how I was going to do these willy spins and these willies and do these hand, these hand movements that they do. But the cool part about being with people who can relate and understand you is that they're always willing to understand um, that you are different. And they adapt everything for me. Um, and so if I can't spin fast enough, you'll see in the formations that there will be two girls who just spin halfway and come back. And that's partially because we are adapting it to each other so that we all can um, feel good and confident in dance. So it looks like so much fun. I wish I was in LA and in the <laughs> California area and try it out sometime. Um, so one article about, about you writes, Dance has the power to inspire, heal, and bring people together. Uh, just take a look at the Roulettes, a California-based wheelchair dance team, which we were just talking about, um, is working to promote women's empowerment and destigmatize de the disabled community. So in your opinion, how does the Roulette live, in, live up to its mission, which is to empower women with disabilities to live boundlessly and shift perspectives through dance. How does that, how does joining this team have really uh, made you feel boundless? <laughs> well, like I've said, um, joining this team was something that has, was like absolutely crucial. I feel boundless being with the team and um, we, we motivate other um, women in the world by being ourselves and being confident and, um, like I said, um, adapting life and making 
our lives our new normal. And so that is something that we really take pride in is showing the good, the bad, the ups, the down, because in reality, we are just like everybody else. Um, I know on social media, it could be easy to make it look as if our lives are like perfect and we're, we're doing all these cool, fun things. But it's important um, for us to be a vulnerable um, one for everybody. And I feel like we all kind of do our part in that. Us being vulnerable and showing our downs really helps motivate people to know that one, they're not alone, and two, that they can get back up from that place. That's that's awesome. So I know Dylan Alcott in Australia is a champion tennis player and basketball player um, who's based in Melbourne, Australia. But he always says when he was growing up, he always, he never saw people that are like him. And whenever people were, whenever he did see ads of people in wheelchairs, it was people in accidents and then have insinuating that we lead these really miserable lives, right? People in wheelchairs. And um, why I put in that little anecdote is that I feel like this will let group really uh, sheds light on the vibrant lives that we wheelchair users lead. Sure, there are hardships, of course there are, but we also have fun, we also have all these talents, and we also, um, you know, enjoy all the things other people enjoy, friendship, dancing, having fun, listening to great music, mm -hmm. you know, choreographing, and- Yeah, for sure. All those things. I think it's also really important for people to know that, you know, just because you're having a bad day, um, don't, don't give the, get, don't give your injury or your diagnosis the power of saying like, oh, it's because of that. Like, no, everybody, no matter your ability, whether you're able-bodied or not, has bad days. Do not give your injury or your disability the power of bringing you down. And so don't blame it on that. An able body will just you know, they could just feel fat for the day and it brings down their day. Us, like we, we have our moments too. And so um, I think something that like me and the roulettes, like what we really strive to is to not give our injury the power to control who we are, what direction we go and um, our mood. Our, like we're not gonna give our injury the power to change who we are. And um, everybody has bad days, ups, downs, goods, everything, so. Yeah, I think it's just helping to create that more of that fuller image. It's mm -hmm. not that it's wrong sure, that we don't uh, have, you know, as you were saying, bad days, hardships, things that are different than the able-bodied community, but the positive sides are not portrayed as much in the general mainstream media. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yes, for so sure, for sure. Even on movies and stuff. It's just like, there's always someone in the wheelchair and it's like them struggling. It's like, and we need it. We just need to change that. You know, we need, and it starts now. It starts here. You know, it starts with, you know, you creating a podcast, you know, it starts with me doing makeup, Chelsea starting a wheelchair dance team. It starts with us. And, um, you know, and it starts with having a little bit of confidence just to say, you know what, I can and I will. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So now that you have honed your uh, dance skills uh, through the roulette group, do you feel confident enough to, uh, or maybe you are already doing this, but to go clubbing and dance in pub public with your newfound wheelchair dancing skills? Not to do anymore. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> oh man. You know, even before joining the dance team, I, I was living it up. Um, you know, it's so funny that like, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so funny to think of, but, um, yeah, so I, I feel as if, you know, something I've always said is fake it till you make it. And um, that's kind of been my motto going through this injury, especially in the beginning stages where I'm like, you know what? I don't know if I feel confident enough to enter that club, but you know, I'm going to pretend like I do and see what response I get. And usually it's a good response. So you just have to fake it till you make it. And um, so, yeah, since day one of my injury, that's kind of been like my thing. Like you're going to find me at a bar. You're going to find me in a club. You're going to find me on, I love line dancing. You're going to find me on the freaking dance floor, line dancing, trying to figure it out with my hands and stuff. So, um, yeah, that's, that's something that like needs to be seen more. It shouldn't be such a shocker to see someone in a wheelchair popping a wheelie on the dance floor. <laughs> yeah. I, whenever I go to like clubs or bars, people, random strangers uh, oftentimes say to me, good for you. Good for you that you're out here. And that's what I'm saying. Like suddenly we're an inspiration for drinking a beer. Like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> it's like okay, crazy things. Um, so I know that something that speaking of personal things that you share, um, I know that you you've said that you've always wanted a husband and kids, oh, and that's something no. that you know that's something that's that's been a goal of yours, and so. Does having a disability make you question that you can have um, those things and make those things become a reality someday? You know, to be honest with you, it did in the beginning. Uh, it totally did. When I, the first round of me being single, I was single for like a year before I met my, uh, my ex-boyfriend and then we were together for six years. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't feel that way. Um, at all especially because my twin just had a baby and uh I actually think I shocked Chelsea because we we're at dinner uh and uh, I told her like yeah I babysit him on Sundays and I'm all by myself and I take care of him she's like wait you pick him like how do you do that like <laughs> it's so crazy um I'm not I'm not worried at all I I feel as if like my dad raised us with this saying um uh, it's like never say I can't um, and so there's no such thing as I can't to me and, um, I'm going to find a way and I'm going to make it happen. But I think there was some doubt in the beginning of my injury. Um, yeah, I'm not worried uh, at all about, uh, dating. Um, I'm actually dating now. I just went speed dating on Saturday and, um, yeah, I was the only girl in a wheelchair there and only one person asked me why I was in a wheelchair. And it's because he was an RN. So he was in the field and wanted to know why. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, the thing is, is like, I know that I will always be the elephant in the room. Um, when I roll in a room, people are going to be like, whoa, like it's going to be like a shocker to a lot of people because it's not normal yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think as people, as a person with disabilities, at least I felt this way, you always feel obligated to share and people, mm -hmm. you know, with little kids, especially they're so insensitive. And, you know, you childhood, <laughs> I think, right? Um, so, you know, that they're, they're totally unfiltered. What's wrong with you? Why are you in a wheelchair? 
um, things like that. I kind of see as if like we all have a disability, even able bodies, everyone has a disability. The only difference between you and I or me and them is that I wear mine. Mine is visible. Everyone has an insecurity. Everyone has a, some type of so, a thing that's holding them back or moving them in this direction, moving them that with depression, anxiety, you know, like OCD. Everyone has something. It's just I wear mine and I choose not to talk about mine right off the bat. Mm-hmm. That's it. Exactly. Ours is more obvious. It's on the outside mm-hmm. rather than on the inside, right? Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's on display when people meet us. Exactly. Um, so since you, you got injured when you were 20 years old um, and you've lived a lot of your life without a disability, and so I think you can shed a lot of light in the next question, which is how has uh, how able-bodied people look at you changed? How has expect, expectations changed? Um, how has, um, you know, maintaining relationships in general changed after your injury um, of after now living in a wheelchair, I mean, living life in a wheelchair? Um, I do feel as if people view me as like weaker sometimes when they are first around me. Um, they don't know what I'm capable of. Um, but I respect the people who ask like, Hey, do you need help with this? You need, you know? Um, so I do see that and you know, and and that's fine. I, it doesn't bother me that much that people see that first and think like, Oh, like, I don't know, like, should I help her? Should I do these? Like I am viewed differently in that light. Um, in that way. Um, yeah. But as far as like relationships and stuff, I don't feel as if things are like viewed too differently. I think for my parents, my relationship with my parents, it was viewed extremely differently. And the beginning, I was like their child, their baby all over again. Um, but the important thing is to always speak up. And so when people hover over me or um, see me differently in the beginning, my response is, I will ask if I need help. Uh, I will ask, like, it's okay. Like, you know, I got it. I'm, I'm okay. I'll let you know if I need it. You know, I, I try to like kind of check that into place when I first meet people so that it doesn't carry on through um, the relationship. I dated someone um, last year. It was like really hard because it was like obsessive, like trying to help and everything. And that does more damage. Do not enable me. Like, you know what I mean? That does way more damage than it does help. Because if you are going to do everything for me, then everything that I've worked my butt off for for the past nine years is pointless. So in a sense, like, there are some people who are going to understand and, and see you differently in the beginning and then be like, okay, well, it's fine. She has it. Then there's going to be people who um, see you differently in the beginning and um, continue to see you differently. And you need to know which ones to get out get out the house. <laughs> the ones to get rid of because, you know, some of us work really hard to be where we're at. Um, and um, there's no point of losing that for a relationship. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is their own discomfort, right? They don't, mm-hmm. they don't know, and they are not exposed to uh, people um, who have SC, SCI injuries, or for me, mine's polio. And so it, it, 
it's the the behaviors that they're showing us is also showing us a lot of their discomfort and mm -hmm. the, the learning and trials and errors as well. Next question is, have you, it seems like you've really embraced being part of the disability community. Um, is this something that you, is this something that you've come to make yourself come to terms with and accept? Or is this something that, um, you know, I think that, that that's a process for all of us, to be honest, mm -hmm. what I just said, come to terms with and accept. Um, mm -hmm. um, is that your state at the moment? Or is it you've really embraced it and you see the strength and beauty of the people that you've met despite their disabilities? Yeah. So when I first got injured, um, I didn't want to have any friends in a wheelchair. I didn't want to face my reality. I thought I was going to snap right out of it and be walking again. So that was um, something that was challenging for me to come to terms with is that this is a lot longer than um, I thought it was going to be because I was so ignorant to this life. Um, how do you say this? I am optimistic, but I'm also realistic. So I think I have come to terms with this injury and have fully like absorbed it, but there's a piece of me that's still optimistic that there will be a cure. But for now, this is the reality. And so I'm going to be realistic and take it for what it is. So um, I would say that that's kind of how I feel about this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that's not too I don't know I try to be as honest as possible like I would love to say like oh yeah I'm totally cool I'm content and, like I know that this is gonna be my life but there's always gonna be that piece of me that's gonna want a little bit more um especially now having this experience of being in a wheelchair for nine years if I ever became an able body again oh my gosh my world would be my views in life everything would be so different I'm so appreciative of everything and I think like um yeah it's just oh man yeah totally yeah, I think, you know, sometimes um, being people try to be politically correct. And so as we grow older and older, we learn how to be politically correct more and more often. And our boundaries become more confining and restricting. And I'm glad that for you, that's not that hasn't happened as much as seems you, even though some things may be controversial to say and you know it, you still, you know, voice your opinion on it just because, you know, um, the good, the bad, the uh, cringeworthy, the open-minded, you know, everything, people are thinking about it anyways. And so not saying it does not make it not there. Exactly. Well said. <laughs> and, uh, and, so, and so I applaud you for that, you know? I applaud you for having the courage to always speak your mind even if you know that people are not going to agree with you because it's not it's not like a mandate right it's not a, a federal policy that you're imposing on anybody you're just sharing your view and so mm -hmm. no harm done in that so now that last question here now that you are a person with a disability what do you think are some of the biggest challenges facing uh people with disabilities here in the US, or if you've gone abroad internationally as well, include that. How do you think we can overcome these challenges as a community, um, as an individual, but also as a community? Mm -hmm. I think that in all honesty, damn, I'm like, 
freaking proud of my freaking community. Like, I am so proud of everybody. Like, things are changing. Everything is changing. And it's not just me. It's not just the roulettes. It's like, this community has force. And I see it on social media all the time. We are all ganging up and changing the way that people view us. And that is the only way it's going to get done. That is the only way it's going to get done is we force it upon people. And we're like, hey, no, you know what? We're here and we're, we're just like you. So I wish that that would be something that is encouraged in other countries because I have been to other countries. I feel as if us traveling to other countries and um, kind of being that voice and that power and social media is so powerful. There's so many people from other countries that follow all of us and stuff. So um, hopefully that gives them that push to be the first to start it in, you know, in their hometown. That's where it starts. It just starts in a little area and it starts to grow. But it starts with us. Exactly. With uh, educating and informing and traveling. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you so much, Steph. It's been really enjoyable talking to you. I only know what it's like in America And shutting doors, I don't think that's right Thanks for listening to another Trips and Global on Wheels podcast hour. Look for us on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook where I post pictures of my travels, share videos of my fitness journey, and keep you updated on the latest wheelchair accessory must-haves. Tell others about our program. The more we can raise awareness about these issues, the stronger we can get as a community. At Trips and Global on Wheels, we aim to build a community of healthy, worldly and informed individuals with disabilities and disability advocates that means we want to hear from you our listeners send us an email at tgow podcast at gmail.com let us know about your favorite destinations for accessible travel how do you stay fit to avoid chronic injuries what language do you prefer to describe your identity as someone with a disability We want to provide a platform for people to share and learn from each other. So send us your stories. If you have suggestions for future guests that you would like to hear on our podcast series, please leave them in the Contact Us section of our website or post them on our Facebook page. Thanks again for listening. Bye-bye. America